The Fifth Mansion, Chapter Two of the Interior Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Interior Castle or the Mansions by Saint Teresa of Avila, translated by the Reverend John Dalton. The Fifth Mansion, Chapter Two. She continues the same discourse, and illustrates the prayer of union by a comparison. You may imagine that I have already mentioned what is to be seen in this mansion, and yet much more remains to be said, for, as I have mentioned, there is more or less yet remaining. As regards union, I think I can add nothing more. But when a soul on whom God bestows these favors disposes herself, there are many things to be said about that which God works in her. Some of these I will mention, and also say something respecting the state the soul is in. To make the subject better understood, I shall make use of a comparison proper for the purpose, in order that we may see how, though in this work which our Lord himself does, we can do nothing, yet by our disposing ourselves we may contribute much to induce his majesty to bestow this favor upon us. You have already heard of his wonders in the making of silk, for only he could be the author of such an invention. And how from a seed no bigger than little peppercorns, this seed, when the mulberry trees first send out leaves, begins to quicken with the heat, while it was, as it were, dead, till this nourishment whereupon it lives appeared. Thus certain little worms feed on mulberry leaves, till afterwards they become bigger, and then on the boughs they go spinning silk with their little mouths, and making little cells very close, in which they are enclosed. From this cell or bag, which contains a large but ugly worm that dies, there afterwards rises a white and very beautiful butterfly. Who could believe this if we had not seen it, and it was related to us as being the case in other times or countries? Or by what reason can we comprehend that a creature so void of reason as a silkworm or a bee should be so diligent and so industrious in toiling for our benefit? The poor little worm loses its life in this work. This may serve you, sisters, as a meditation for some time, without my saying any more to you, for by means of it you may have some idea of the wonders and wisdom of our God. What then should we do? Did we understand the properties of all things? It is a great advantage to us to be occupied in meditating on these wonders, and in rejoicing that we are the spouses of so wise and powerful a king. But let us return to what I was saying, and apply the comparison I have mentioned to ourselves. This worm then begins to have life, when by warmth from the Holy Spirit it begins to make use of that general assistance which our Lord gives to every one, and to take advantage of the remedies which God has left in his church, both by frequenting the sacraments and reading good books, and hearing sermons. For these are powerful remedies for a soul, that is dead by its negligence and sins, and is plunged into the occasions of sin. Then this worm begins to live, and hereby it supports itself with good meditations, until it has grown up. This will serve my purpose, for the rest is of little consequence. Now, when this worm has grown up, as I said at first, it begins to make silk, and to build its house in which it is to die. This house, I wish you to understand here, is Christ. As St. Paul says, our life is hid with Christ in God, and that Christ is our life. You see here then, daughters, 
what we can do by God's assistance, since His Majesty Himself becomes our habitation, as He is in this prayer of union, and we ourselves erect the habitation. I seem to say, we are able to take from or to add to God, because I say, He is a habitation, and that we may erect it for our own abode. But the truth is, we can neither subtract from nor add to God, but we can take from and add to ourselves, as these little worms do. For no sooner have we done all we can herein, than God will unite our insignificant labors, which are nothing, with His greatness. And He will give them so high a value, that our Lord Himself will be the rewarder of our works. And as He Himself has been put to the greatest expense, so He will unite our trifling sufferings with those immense ones which His Majesty endured, and He will make them all one. Oh, then, my daughters, let us quickly perform this work and weave this cell, casting aside all self-love and our own will, and let us not adhere to any earthly thing. Let us perform works of penance, prayer, mortification, obedience, and all the rest as you value. God grant we may act according to our knowledge and the instructions we have received concerning our duty. Let this worm die, let it die as it does, when it has performed that for which it was created, and you will then perceive how we see God, and we behold ourselves immersed in His greatness, just as the worm is in its cell. Notice how I say, we shall see God, as I have mentioned above, that is, as He discovers Himself to us in this kind of union. Now let us consider what becomes of this worm, since for this purpose I have said all this. As soon as in this prayer it becomes sufficiently dead to the world, it comes forth a white butterfly. Oh, wonderful greatness of God! How changed does the soul come forth, by having been only for a short time, never, in my opinion, a full half hour, immersed in the greatness of God, and united closely to Him. I tell you the truth, she now does not know herself, for you must remember that there is the same difference here as there is between an ugly worm and a beautiful butterfly. The soul knows not how she could merit so great a favor, or whence it could come. She is so desirous of praising God that she would be willing to annihilate herself and endure a thousand deaths for His sake. She immediately begins to wish to endure great afflictions, and she cannot do otherwise. Her desires of penance, solitude, and of all men knowing God are excessive, and on this account she feels great pain in seeing Him offended. But in the next mansion I shall mention these things more in particular, for the matter in this and the following mansion are almost the same, though the power of the effects is very different, because, as I have said, if a soul, after God has advanced her to this state, should force herself to go forward, she will see great things. Oh, how strange it is to behold afterwards the restlessness of this butterfly, though in all its life it was never more at ease nor more calm. This is an occasion of praising our Lord, that it knows not where to rest nor to settle, and having before enjoyed such repose, it is disgusted with all that it sees on earth, especially when God often allows it to drink of this wine. It gains more and more almost every time. Now it no more esteems the works which it used to do when a worm, viz, forming its cell by little and little. Its wings have now grown. How then, as it is able to fly, can it take the pleasure in creeping along? 
All it can do for God seems little in proportion to its desires. It does not wonder much at what the saints did and suffered, because it now understands by experience how our Lord assists and transforms a soul in such a way that she does not seem the same, nor to be the same shape, because the weakness which she seemed to have before in doing penance she perceives is now no more, but has become strong. The ties which bind her to her friends, relations, or estate, which, when she was desirous of leaving, neither acts nor resolutions were sufficient to remove, are now entirely broken in such a manner, that she is displeased to be obliged to do what is barely necessary in this respect, lest she might seem to be resisting the will of God. Everything tires her, because she has found that creatures cannot give her true repose. I seem to say much, but yet I could say more. Whoever has received this favor from God will clearly perceive that I say little. No wonder, then, that this butterfly seeks out some new repose, because it finds itself a new creature as regards the things of this world. Where, then, will the poor little creature go now? Return whence it came? It cannot, for it is not in our power, until God be pleased again to bestow this favor upon us. O oh Lord, what fresh troubles begin for this soul! And who could imagine this, after such sublime favors have been received? In a word, either one way or the other, must we bear the cross as long as we live. Should any one say, that having arrived there, he always enjoys rest and delight, I would answer, he never reached so far, but that, if ever he entered the former mansion, it was, perhaps, some delight caused by natural weakness, and perhaps by the devil, who sometimes gives us a certain peace, in order to raise afterwards a more terrible war. I do not say that they who arrive at this mansion have no peace, for their very afflictions are of such value and so deeply rooted, that from them come peace and content. From this same disgust which earthly things cause, such a painful desire arises of leaving this world, that if anything can allay it, it is the consideration that it is God's wish they should live in this land of exile. But this is not sufficient, for notwithstanding all these favors and benefits, the soul is not so resigned to the will of God as it is afterwards. Still, it does not fail to be resigned, though it is with great pain, for she is unable to act otherwise, as no more is given to her. And every time she prays, her grief is accompanied with many tears. This pain seems, perhaps, to arise, in some degree, from being exceedingly troubled on beholding God offended, and so little esteemed in this world, and at the destruction of so many souls, heretics as well as infidels. But Christians excite her compassion the most. And though she sees the mercy of God is great, and that however wickedly they live, they may repent and be saved, yet she is afraid that many are lost. O oh, greatness of God! How a few years since, and perhaps only a few days, this soul remembered no one but herself, and who has now placed her in such tormenting cares, which so many years of meditation cannot make her so sensible of, as she is now sensible of them? But, O oh my Lord, if I should endeavor, during many days and years, to exercise myself in thinking on the great evil there is in God being offended, how those who are lost are his children and my brethren, on the dangers in the midst of which we live, and how well it would be for us if we were out of this miserable life, would not all these considerations cause this pain within me? No, daughters, no, 
This is not the pain which is felt here, for by the assistance of our Lord we may, by often thinking on these things, conceive a deep sorrow. But it does not penetrate, nor reach the inmost part of the soul. Like this I have been speaking about here, which seems to grind a soul to powder, without her procuring such a state, or even sometimes without her wishing it. What is this? Whence it comes? I will tell you. Do you not remember what I said regarding the spouse, though on another subject, that God took her into the wine cellar, and set in order charity in her? The same happens here, for this soul having entirely resigned herself into his hands, the greatness of his love has so captivated her, that she neither knows nor desires anything except that God would dispose of her as he pleases. As far as I understand, God will never confer this favor on any soul except upon such as he chooses for his own. He is pleased, without her knowing how, that she should depart hence, signed with his seal. For here the soul does indeed no more than the wax when a seal is imprinted on it. For the wax cannot seal itself, but is only disposed, that is, it is soft, nor does it soften itself for this object, it lies still, and allows the impression to be made. O oh, goodness of God, all is at thy cost. Thou requirest only our will, and that there should be no resistance in the wax. You see, then, sisters, what our God does here for us, that this soul may already know she is his. He gives her what she has, viz., the very same that his son had in this life, which is indeed an exceedingly great favor. Whoever desired more to leave this life than he did, so spoke he at the supper. With desire I have desired. But, my Lord, did not that sorrowful death which thou wert to suffer so painfully present itself before thine eyes? No, for the immense love and desire I had to some souls exceeded without comparison those torments, and the many which I have already endured, and which I still endure, are sufficient to make me consider these as nothing. Often I have thought of this, and knowing what great torments a certain soul known to me has endured, and still endures, by seeing how God is offended, and that soul would rather die than endure it, I considered that if a soul having such little love which, when compared with that of Christ, might be said to be almost none, felt such intolerable pain, what then must Christ our Lord have suffered, and what a life must he have led, having all his sufferings present before him, and always beholding the dreadful crimes which would be committed against his father? I firmly believe these were far greater than those which he endured in his most sacred passion. For then he saw the end of those sorrows, and the joy of seeing our redemption purchased by his death, and of testifying the love he had for his father in suffering so much for him, no doubt lessened his pains. Just as it happens to men in this world who, through the force of love, perform great penances, which they scarcely feel, nay, they would prefer to do still more, for all seems but little to them. What then did his majesty feel when he saw so good an opportunity offered by manifesting to his father his perfect obedience to him, and love for his neighbor? Oh, what a great delight is it to suffer in doing the will of God, but to behold so many offenses continually committed against his majesty, and so many souls condemned to hell, is, in my opinion, so dreadful, that I believe, had he not been more than man, one day of such torment would have been enough to have put an end to many lives. 
how much more then to one end of the fifth mansion chapter two